On this week's show, folks in Invicta get their priorities right with Chairman Paul Morgan. I'd rather get relegated than to lose a life of a spectator, a player or official or, you know, let their off work for months because of this, you know, all for sake of 90 minutes of football. Herne Bay manager Ben Smith concerned about where the season will end up. We all want to play football, but it, it becomes Mickey Mouse, isn't it? If you play each other once. And Dover's on-loan defender Bailey Spencer-Adams feels the benefit of some time on the training ground. All you want to do is just play football, actually. When you're just stuck inside, it gets boring, you just turn drives you crazy. Hello everyone and welcome to arguably the most downbeat Christmas special you could ever imagine as we bring you this week's Kent Nolly podcast in association with SCSA Sports Management. Normally we get you a festive theme tune, a bit of joviality and, and cheer in, keep with, in keeping with the season. But somehow this year and especially this week, that doesn't seem quite right as COVID-19 has worked its way up to the sort of strong finish to the year many of our teams can only dream of. This show will be a long one, but I promise you it will be a good one. So strap yourselves in and we hope you enjoy it. I am John Phipps, who as of one 17 on Wednesday, December the 23rd is still in tier two, but I'm fully expecting that not to be the case in 72 hours time. And then I now is a man who has delayed this week's podcast by 15 minutes in order to stuff his face with company bought pizza. Matt Gerard, how many slices did you manage to, as a mutual friend of ours would say, bosh in that 15 minutes? Um, just a standard because of course you can't share. So they've just got a little box. Which oh, I, right. Yeah. Which I, you know, everybody in the office has got it, but they've taken it time. But of course, pizza is my first love so it's gone down in about three seconds so there you go pepperoni you've got have you yeah Yeah. okay we have been making my own pizza because we over the thing we brought a couple of lockdown uh we brought papa john's which is in broadstairs and i didn't really like it but um the homemade one i really enjoy but there's nothing better sometimes than a domino's domino's is the king do you see that thing on channel four last week where they were getting the chefs to recreate a domino's i i I didn't but is it worth watching yeah, it was really interesting, actually, watching how the techniques and how it's all done. It was, it was very interesting to see all these, you know, top chefs trying to recreate something which, you know, people who probably have very limited qualifications to, to actually do be chefs make on a regular basis in, in Domino's. So it's, it's it's fascinating. It's very, very interesting. The one thing is that Domino's advert with a girl who fills in the cement is the most ridiculous advert out. So. Good pizza, terrible advert. It's not as annoying as those Mark Jacobs ones at the moment for the perfumes, especially the one where they keep going, daisy, 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 daisy. Awful. Absolutely awful. Uh, you all right apart from that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nothing changes, does it? Don't go out. Well, I did go to football, but that won't be happening soon. So, um, uh, yeah, just ready for the for the big day. Excellent. Well, it's our 151st episode this week, and 151 is associated with an incredibly potent rum, uh, with Gosling's Black Seal 151 coming in at a frankly astonishing 75.5% ABV. Uh, Bacardi used to do one as well, the, the 151 being the proof, which is twice the ABV, by the way, uh, but stopped selling it as it was too strong. Are, are you a rum drinker, Matt? I don't really drink spirits. Well, at least I like a bit of Bailey's, but no, I'm just a, um, I've got Peroni in, in and I've got some uh cider in for christmas but that's about it no we don't my wife doesn't not a big drinker so we're not we haven't got loads we haven't got loads of spirits in the cupboard so i'd have thought being married to you would be enough to drive anyone to drink mate could well be yeah cause she she was up to 20 to 1 wrapping presents last night when i went to bed so it's very nice of her to do that i am um, i once when i was at uni drank a shot or a glass that had one shot of dark rum and one shot of white rum in it and i still say to this day that is the worst thing i've ever drunk oh it was awful awful my mate is married to a lithuanian girl lovely girl and her family also live around there and they go there and he said every sort of well previous christmas eves and boxing day they bring out the old lithuanian vodka spirits and he said it puts hairs on his chest for the whole year and of course they're knocking it down because it's second nature to them but of course he tries to join in by the next day he's like ruined absolutely ruined by the hardcore drinking so um on that basis but again i spoke to him the other day and again he said some ways it's good that we're not doing that in some ways i'm going to miss it because it's the highlight of his year of just absolutely knocking back this proof lithuanian vodka 
Well, the good news is there's plenty of craft beer, gin and wine in this house. So that will get me through. And trust me, there's been several times over the past few days where a 75.5% drink has seemed very appealing. It's very easy to want to forget everything right now. Anyway, we do have three interviews for you this week. And we start off folks in Victor. This mini Premier Division side announced last week before the league suspension and back when we only had three tiers to worry about, that they were not planning on playing any football until the middle of January. But as you're about to hear, they're now thinking that may have been a bit ambitious. Here is the Invicta chairman, Paul Morgan. Well, the thinking was behind that was just purely the, uh, like I've said many times, the health and safety of our spectators, the players and, of course, the officials. Um, I run my own business up in London and I tested positive for COVID and I was off for a week or so. And then I realised the, the knock-on effect that it has. So if a, a player of our, our club catches it or is, you know, in with someone who's got it, they all have to isolate. And this is not their only job. You know, they're all, most of them are teachers, they've all got other jobs. So it's a major, major knock-on effect. So myself, other board of directors, and Neil Cugley sat down um, the other week and had a chat about it and just thought, you know, enough's enough. We've got to put our fans, players and officials first. So we decided to say we're not going to play no more games till it's safe to do so. And we give a time scale of maybe mid to January, mid to late January, July, January, sorry, yes. And um, But looking at the tier system now, I can't see it going ahead till maybe end of February, stroke March. So that's why we made the decision to not play football. So where does that leave the club? I mean, I know there are obviously severe challenges, but you're now sitting here saying there's probably going to be no football for two months, two more months. How difficult is that? Oh, it's very difficult. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong, everyone wants to see a game of football. I love nothing better than watching a Boxing Day, mostly a derby or a game of football Boxing Day. But we can't, you know, and it's just, you know, it's sad to say it's life. But financially... If we're not playing any games, with the furlough scheme, which is a great idea, then obviously the players and some officials that work for the football club are on furlough. So it's not costing the football club much money. We've still got rent and etc. to pay, water to pay, but our day-to-day bills, you know, we've got them covered. You know, we're, we're not in debt. We don't want to be in debt. But if we have to start playing football with a reduced stroke, no capacity... Every football club in our league and leagues below are going to get financially in debt. And this is not what we want. We work very hard to keep this football club debt free. That Without wages, you know, without income, we can't afford to keep the players we've got. So our playing budget will have to cut. You know, and then the facilities have to get not worked on. So the ground, the pitch, you know, etc., all starts getting neglected because of this COVID, you know. So that's why we decided enough's enough. We've got to put our foot down and say no football. And the thing was, I mean, it was it was 24 hours or so after your initial statement that the league did sort of back this up and say, no, there will be no football until January. What would have happened if they hadn't done that and were saying to you, you've got to play? Were you prepared to take a sanction from them? Yes, um, I am. I, I was, you know. It's, this wasn't taken lightly. We thought about the repercussions of it. And my thoughts are, I'd rather, I know it sounds awful, I'd rather get relegated than to lose a life of a spectator, a player or official. Or, you know, they're off work for months because of this. You know, all for sake of 90 minutes of football. Don't get me wrong, I love football. I put my heart and soul into folks in Victor Football Club. But at the end of the day... The fans, the players and the officials mean more to me than the Ishmael Premier League, sorry to say. And obviously the, the, the now knock-on is, as we say, that there is no football. The league is suspended. But I've seen a few people talking about it. What do you think of the, of the leadership that's been shown by the league over the past few months? Don't get wrong, the, league, the league's been doing a fantastic job. I mean, um, we've been getting emails and updates daily, weekly. You know, they're, they're doing the best they can. But it just needed someone to say, right, enough's enough. I mean, you know, it was going to be we could play with a restricted crowd, reduced crowd of 300. You know, I've got people on websites saying, oh, we've got, you know, 400 plus season tickets. How can we get out, you know, tickets? So it's just, you know, knock on effects all over. It was just causing absolute chaos. So, as I say, 
I decided enough was enough. And unfortunately, we got we said this before the Football League come in and said what they did. But we was waiting and waiting and waiting on a decision. But the, the, it was just getting nearer and nearer Christmas. We were getting more and more emails, phone calls, asking what was going on. So we decided to make the de- decision and um, put a statement out there and say, you know, we're not prepared to play till the middle of end of January, if safe. You, you've obviously had a few games at home w- with the restrictions and, and the restricted crowd. How challenging was that, making the whole ground COVID safe and everything like that? It was very challenging. We, uh, You know, we put everything in place to protect our players, staff and, again, the supporters. Um, the majority of supporters stuck by the ruling, stuck by the arrows, the one-way systems, the bars, etc. And it seemed to work very well. Um, but... You know, it's a bit like life. You know, everyone seems to then want to huddle together and get together in each stand. You know, we we tried and we was taking advice and we was watching other football clubs and we was putting in everything in place to keep everyone safe. And that's what it did happen. But you could see uh, as it was getting further and further in, you can see that the it wasn't working. You know, people wasn't abiding by the rules. And when you're going from tier two, then to tier three, now to tier four, something needs to change. So we thought, right, hold on a moment. Lives and that, it's, it's, we need to we need to call it a day and, and stop the football because it's just getting worse. Do you think the season will finish? Personally, I do. Um, we was told that we want every game finished by, I think it was the middle of May, um, but with this happening, we can't. No one can play three games a week at the moment. It would have had to have been two games: Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. Um, I personally think that we should call it a day and maybe write this season off and get ready to start um, maybe middle of 2021. But you're going to get a lot of clubs that are going to disagree with that. You know, they're either well, they're going for promotion you know we've got it in our league we had last year we had Worthing that was top of our league and the league got um, suspended and stopped early and then no one went up no one went down again this year Worthing again are top of the league and now it's been suspended again so no doubt they're going to find it very frustrating quite rightly so but again it's no one's fault it's not the football league's fault it's no one's fault so we just all got a grin bear it and abide by the rules do you think that something i mean it's in, about integrity of the competition i suppose because there must be clubs that you mentioned worthing there and, and i don't know for definite if they're an example but there must be clubs out there who've put money into this for two years running and at the end of it if there's no promotion no relegation do you think some people might look at it and say well what, what a waste of time and money and, and maybe walk away from the game yeah I, I wouldn't say walk away from the game because it's one of them but you know positions we're in which is it's nobody's fault but I think maybe the league should turn around and say, right, let's write 2020 off and start again in um, August. Um, and then we can start a new season, you know, write all the games off that's been that's happened so far. Or another way of doing it is playing the rest of the games just once. Don't play home and away. Wherever your fixture comes up, you just play them once and maybe decide it that way. I'm not too sure. But as I say, certainly I can't see any football being played the way it's going at the moment to at least February, March. And it was January last week. Now with Tier 4 coming in the weekends, it now just seems likely it's going to be further and further away. Obviously, uh, folks in Victor, you've got the longest serving manager in the country. How is Neil? Is, is he getting to the stage now? Because obviously he's not getting any younger. Is, is he still fully committed? Or do you think he might be starting to think, well, maybe now it's time to, to think about taking a back seat a little bit? No, no, no. Neil, I don't think we'll ever take a back seat. Um, he's 100% committed to the football club. I mean, at the moment, he's he's so ambitious um, on and off the pitch. You know, we're having a, quite a lot of ground improvements done, which is all down to Neil Cugley being ahead of it, who's got you know friends and builders and etc. in doing the work. So we're having a hell of a lot of work doing, um, which hopefully will we'll be ready before we restart. 
but it was being tight because we was meant to be starting maybe around well 19th of December until we made the decision. But uh, no, Neil is still 100% committed to focusing in Victor Football Club. And just finally, as someone who's, who's had this disease, I guess you would like to say in a sort of almost a Christmas message to all the folks in Invicta supporters and everyone else who's listening, stay safe over the festive period. Yes, I do. I wish everybody a happy Christmas. Um, it's not going to be the same as we know this Christmas. I'd like everyone to stay safe um, and abide by the rules. If everybody abide by the rules, maybe this will stop a lot sooner and we can get back to a bit of normality. But until people do abide by the rules, then I think it's going to be a long way off before we start playing football. So I'd like to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I wait, can't wait to see you all back down the build, Ken, watching some football. Well, that's one of the starkest interviews we've heard in a long time from Paul. And thanks to him for that. Just like with Margate last week, we hear the furlough system is being a godsend for one of our clubs. But that's far from the end of it, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, I think it's one of the most sensible things I've listened to in a while there. Um and they've made a decision that they don't want to play until that. And the most important thing is their supporters. And I roundly applause, uh, applaud their situation from that. I know certain clubs want to come back, but folks that have put their colours to the mast, and I roundly applaud them. And I think it's the, the right decision as we go forward. So, uh, again, clearly he's, he's had it, uh, the effects that he's had it. And it's only going to get worse. So um, fully applaud folks in Invicta about that. And if again, it's the end of the season, it's the end of the season. There's more, sometimes more important things than maybe promotion and relegation. Well, exactly. I, th- I, I, I did want to say to him, you know, if the Eastman League had said, had you restart, you got to restart, would they have not played? And, and as you heard there, he very firmly said, yes, we were prepared to take sanctions. So I think they were happily, he was happy by the sound of things to have the Eastman League say, right, well, you're going to be relegated if you don't start playing because of the safety of people. And that is a, an amazing attitude that, that Paul Morgan has given there. Uh, um, I hope, I'm hoping it, that other clubs would follow suit if, on that basis. So um, game finances, etc., like that. But again, at the end of the day, the, the, the players' safety, the supporters' safety, everybody's safety is more important than a result. And, I do admire folks in Victor. They could get promoted this season, but he said that if they couldn't do it from there, again, lack of leadership maybe from the leagues, which seems to be coming more and more to the fore, doesn't it? Yeah, and I mean, it is, it is a real concern. And, you know, it is everything that we're going to be talking about over the next half an hour or so uh, is going to be around this sort of the, the problems that clubs everywhere are facing. Uh, but folks in Victor, as, as you said there, you know, all of their bills are covered. The players are on furlough. They're not in debt, but they need those crowds, even if it is just the 600 that they've had to keep the club going. And th- that's, that is the quandary that all of these teams are currently facing, isn't it? And it's been all along. You can't play behind closed doors. And right now, as we sit here two days before Christmas, I don't see any end in sight at the moment. And, that is the, the real concern because I saw we were talking about later. People will say, well, couldn't that be done in, in two weeks' time? Well, I don't think in two weeks' time Kent's going to magically be out of Tier 4, is it? I would have thought the whole of January it probably would be if, if we're going into a, another, maybe a national lockdown. So uh, we're at the levels, of, I think, when, when the games were called off in what March, March 14th, on the last game I think I went to, wasn't it, before the lockdown? So mm. I think we're getting levels at that. So... And I'm thinking maybe the wider football community's got to look at something on this, not just the Isthmian League and below the other leagues and think maybe, right, we just have a mini circuit break to just to reset and go from there. But maybe there's too much money in the other leagues to do that. So I admire folks in Victor for having the, you know, Paul coming out. We appreciate him there. I'm glad he's feeling a little bit better now that everything's going for, you know better for them. And I, admire, I just admire that, that attitude because I'm sure there'll be certain clubs who are desperate to play in and outside the county so as well and we know obviously folks in our really well-run club and, and in Neil Cuggy they've got a brilliant figurehead of a manager there as well uh, but it's the second time we've spoken to Paul and, and he comes across really well and you can tell this is a man who's got the interests of that football club at his very very heart oh uh, absolutely you don't, you don't get involved in that sort of level to to make any money so he's he's just doing it for for the love of it and also for, for the community so and I think it's just a just a a good statement to make um i don't know anybody else if they wanted to carry on and playing um 
it's just a sensible approach. And I think the Isthmian League maybe should come out and do something and say that, right, we're with you there, these clubs. We'll support you, whatever you do, rather than sort of, sort of hiding behind a, you know, hiding behind. I know it's difficult, so I don't want to be too critical of things, but um, it's great to hear that from Folkestone. It is. Now, we've heard from Paul Morgan about his thoughts on how the season will finish. Let's now hear from a manager about it. Uh, last week, I texted the Herne Bay manager, Ben Smith, to see if he was up for a chat. And he just heard the worrying news that he was laid up with COVID symptoms. It turned out that he had tested positive and he still wasn't feeling tip top when I cut, caught up with him on Monday. Uh, the first question, of course, was the all important one about how he was feeling health wise. I'm, I'm getting there. Uh, it's been uh, anyone that's had COVID will testify. It's not not nice. Uh, it's been, been rough. Um, and obviously... You know, there's always a worry, worry in, in your mind that you know it could be worse than than uh, than, than most people have um, so far. Hopefully, it's been uh, it's been you know been rough, but it's been bearable. Um, you know, and, and and we've seen the, the sort of the, the back end of it. Do you know how you came into contact with it? Uh, well, I'm a school teacher first and foremost, um, so it's probably likely from school. Um, and obviously, secondly, football. Uh, we did have a friendly. Um, so again, it, it, you know, there's a small percentage chance that it could have been from the football game. Um, you now, obviously, you can socially distance a lot better at football than you can uh, with a class of thirty. Um, I think that's quite quite well known. Um, so yeah, I, I'd suspect school, but I can't rule out that it was it was obviously from the friendly as well. And obviously, we now know that there's going to be no football for Herne Bay for at least until at least the middle of January. What's your thoughts on the current situation about it all? I think the good thing from a manager's point of view, and I'm sure all, all the managers in these leagues will testify, it's been horrendous to be a football manager um, and trying to plan what's going on. Um, you know, because you're trying to get information to people when actually you don't really know yourself. Um, so you, you're in a bit of a tough position, really. Um, so actually, the last the last bit of information they gave out, they actually gave us some goalposts to, to work to. Um, they said obviously it's 14 days notice, so at least we know that you know it's not going to be a north uh, like the Northern Premier situation where they just said suddenly this Saturday you play. Um, we at least have something to go on now. Like I know, I know now we won't be playing until after. You know the New Year's Day game, for example. Um, so you can kind of plan in what what you're going to be doing um, in preparation for that. Um, but in general, is it safe to play? I mean, I probably err on the side of no, it's not. Um, to be honest, you can put all the social distancing you like in place. Um, but again, you know, you're mixing with so many different households. Um, you know, it, it's it's tough to keep everyone safe. I've literally just spoken to Paul Morgan, the, the Folkestone chairman, and he said the challenges were, were massive for the club. What was it like as a manager when you? I mean, you've played seven league games. But what, what was that actually like being a manager in the COVID times? Well, it's difficult because obviously, you know, we've had we've had a player that's come down with COVID as well. You know, as absolute worldy game, and then suddenly the 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 next couple is unavailable for through COVID. Um, you know, and you know, socially distant trying to be those socially distanced, um, you know, even in like changing rooms and things like that, it's like, it's very different to what you're, you're accustomed to. Um, you know, I'm sure it'll make us all better managers from it. Um, but it's, you know, having to second guess what's going to go on so that your team's prepared properly. Um, you know, it's really difficult, you know, and, you know, we've, we, we had the added, um, sort of, difficulty of the hangover of last season getting cancelled which other clubs have had as well and it, 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 I think it does affect you um, you know it certainly affects um, you know the the outlook on the side and, and, and where you can go from there because obviously you've had that big disappointment which you know wasn't actually done on the pitch I know a few weeks ago the, the Eastman League released a, a fixture schedule that was in the lead up to Christmas and, and Steve Watt wasn't happy and I saw you on Twitter sort of saying this doesn't make sense. Is there a concern that when this does all start you're going to be facing a massive fixture backlog and the games are all going to get squeezed in in such a short space of time and that presents another challenge, doesn't it? Well, all, all we were told last year was, you know, uh, null and void, you know, it was pretty much based on the integrity of the competition. Now, if you're going to cram that many games into such a short period of time, 
I question the integrity um, of the competition, first and foremost. Um, and secondly, it kind of, it, it smells to me that because they cancelled last year, they're in a lot of pressure um, to get this season done. Um, so I think at times the, um, the the thoughts thoughts going forward, you know, playing once, playing once, etc. I mean, that's a farce. I mean, I don't know anyone that would want to be, you know, as much as we all want to play football, right? We do not give up the time we give up as managers, as players, etc. To not want to play football. I don't think there's anyone that that would be in that camp. We all want to play football, but it. It becomes Mickey Mouse, isn't it? If you're playing each other once. I mean, and also, the teams you've already played, would you have played it differently knowing you'd only play them once? Like, say you're away from home, you know, would would it be more of a cup cup sort of style game where both teams are just, you know, don't worry, you want to win every game, but tactically, you might set up differently um, if you knew it was just a one-off, like you're playing them once, it's, you know, sort of a cup, you know, cup final shootout, really. Um yeah, I just I think if you knew that at the start of the season, that was what could happen. You know, you you could at least try and plan around it. You know, you can try and plan for everything, and you know sometimes things are taken out of your control. But you know, at least we would have known that. I mean, we still don't know what is the threshold for it suddenly to go to points per game. And we we're in December. What what why is that taken this long for someone to actually make a decision on that? Do you think that they need to make, make it clar- clarify it to everyone? Do you think they yeah they need to make a decision now and they need to make it very clear? And how important is it to, to you as a manager that there is promotion and relegation this season? Uh, for me, it was the most important thing was to finish last season. You know, where, again, if it was points per game, we wouldn't have gone up. So the people that were sort of jumping on the bandwagon saying, "Well, so and so is only moaning because they're you know in line to go up," we wasn't. Yeah, we, you know, we we would have, we would come fifth on points per game, so we we had no chance chance going up. But again, for for everything you sacrifice throughout the year to have an end result, I, I think was the most you know most important thing to me. Um, you know, everything you've done, travelling over to Guernsey and having the you know that that long day, etc. We had a minibus broke down at Gatwick on the way back. You know, things like that. That would have actually counted to something. Yes, we wouldn't have gone up, but we could have said, you know what, we can look back and say we finished wherever, um, you know, and, and we, the sacrifices we made uh, are for something. Um, you know, to now to say it was just a waste of time, you know, sponsors wasted their money, you know, chairman, you know, the club have wasted the money, all the effort behind the bar and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, let's not forget our club put in so much effort to, to turn that club around. For it to count for nothing was a you know a massive kick in the teeth. I've got to be honest. Um, so again, you know, we've only played six league games, so we've not put the same effort into this this season. Um, but I'm sure there are, there are other clubs that have played more that that have, you know. And it's just it, it starts to get to a stage where you just want some clarity from the powers that be to say, look, if this happens, this is what's this is what our plan is. If this happens, this is what our plan is. There's there's no real uh, clarity on what could happen. It's very much up in the air. And I get that they've actually consulted with clubs this season. I get that. Great. And I feel sorry for the people that are running the league because, you know, they're probably dealing with the, you know, the uh, the fallout from the FA. The FA should be taking responsibility and, and, and really owning these situations. Whereas I, don't, I really don't think they are or have been. We've all seen the Tony Russell interview where he said he was almost at the at the point of thinking, what's the point in going on? What what, what are your thoughts on it? If, if you have a second season that's proved to be for nothing, do, 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 will you possibly think, is this worth my while? Uh, it's easy to think that. And I, I can see, like, obviously, you know, Cray, um, Cray, I think, would have gone up last year, wouldn't they, on, on the points per game. So it probably hits them harder um, than it would have hit us. Um, but I can see his point. You know, again, we talk about all the time and effort. People don't see what goes on behind the scenes. Um, you know, I know players have to put a lot of effort in because they need to be match fit, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but the, I say, the the management and the behind the scenes stuff, you do so much crap that's not 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 ever noticed. Um, you know, you deal you deal with the moans and groans of a lot of people. 
um, you know, for, for not a lot of praise, to be honest with you. Um, you know, we do it just because, you know, you know, we, lo- we just love doing it. Um, it really is for the love of it. So I can see why you'd think, you know, well, it's going to keep doing this and what's the point? Why am I doing this? Why am I going through this stress? Because it is stressful at times. Um, uh, but for me, I, I, I think there's a way, if, if the season isn't finished, I think they've got to look at maybe having a points per game over the cross of two seasons or at least just promoting the teams that should have got promoted last season if we haven't played that many games this year. Um, you know, I hope, hopefully we come out of January and, you know, tier four is gone and all this sort of stuff and we can go back to some normality with a vaccine. Um, but at what cost are we going to do that? You know, is it then going to impact next season? I don't know, with pitches and, and you know, things like that, it's going to have a knock-on effect. You know, and I think it was very short-sighted. They could have said, look, we're going to finish... The most important thing to them should have been to finish last season, um, and we could have finished that by now. I mean, <laughs> we've only played six league games, so we would have still been four away, but you could have done that and then had some cup competitions afterwards. You know, um, it would have seemed a bit Mickey Mouse to cup competitions afterwards, um, but I think you would have, you know, the cost would have been a lot less for that than it would have been uh, cancelling two seasons. Absolutely, and I suppose just finally on the pitch, it, it as you say, you've hardly played any league games. You've, you've got eight points. You've won a couple. You've, you've lost a couple. How are you feeling about how it's all going? I suppose it's been really hard, first and foremost, to get any momentum. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that that is that is something I overlook. You know, if I'm looking at that, I'm thinking we're not we're not done very well at all. Um, but you know, the, the teams I thought would be up there, so you, you Cray Valley, for example. You know, if you look at the league, that I mean, they've only got a couple more points than us from the same. So, you know, I know they've had obviously a, a fantastic cup run, um, but it, I think it's been hard for a lot of teams to get that momentum. Um, you know, and there's been others that, you know, Uri Sprinters, for example, um, that wouldn't be in this league. Um, you know, they they've survived last year from the decisions that were made, and now they're flying. Um, you know, and I've seen them; they're, they're decent, really decent side. So, you know, there's been quite a lot of changes um, from clubs, um, you know, and it's been hard to really get going for us. That's for, that's for sure. Um, but that's that's my job to sort of put that right. Um, you know, it's not been a great start, but you know, it could have been worse as well. So, yeah, it's hard to really judge after six games, isn't it? And I suppose uh, after what happened at Canterbury and then last season, this season, you just want a simple season in charge, don't you? It would be nice, wouldn't it? Um, you know, I'm wrong. The season got cut short last year. We never, you know, I felt we were in a very strong position. We talk about momentum. Um, we certainly had a lot of momentum last year, at the end of last season. Um, I don't think anyone can deny that. But we were still coming up against really good sides, and it would have been tough to to go and get promotion. But you know, it's hard because you were you're kind of there in touching distance of at least competing in those big games to suddenly just nothing. Um, you know, so disappointing, but that's the same and probably worse for other clubs like your Craig Valleys, your Hastings, you know, really, they shouldn't be in our league now. Um, you know, so if I was them, I'd be feeling a lot more aggrieved. Contrasting views about finishing the season from Ben there, Matt, and I, and I think that interview, which I know was on the long side, was, was mainly the words of a very, very frustrated man. Yeah, um... It comes back to your view again, John, that we said maybe we shouldn't have finished last season or ended last season and carried on now because we might have actually got somewhere from this and don't worry about the current season we're in. It must be frustrating for him. He's, you know, he's got a job outside. He's got a school. He's got to look after his players. He's got to look after various things. Well, you said then there that there's a lot of stuff that gets on done that people don't know behind the scenes. So it's important for that. But again, he's got... We're getting more and more sensible attitudes. I know we had Mickey Collins on earlier in the thing when this all started off, and his key thing was about safety. And now other sort of clubs are thinking about this as well, saying, you know, it's not going to go away. It's up to you what what you do with it. So um, I don't think they should cram in X amount of games. So the league needs to do it. And I and I can see that not playing home and away is is not really the the way to go. I don't think so. I just don't know what it is, but I'm glad, glad that Ben's feeling a little bit better. Um, the home and away thing, I think, is a, is, is a really, or playing each team once, is, is a real 
thing and, and I thought Ben made some really good points about that not necessarily that you might take on a game differently but I always look at it and think well you could it would all depend on the fixture list what if you'd had a tough run of fixtures and you'd ended up playing Hastings away Cray Valley away all the top teams away from home uh, and the long distances away from home or flip the flip side you've got to play all the long distances and, and things like that and, and I don't think that there's any way that can be fair so I suppose that I would rule that one out. What do you make of the points per game over the two seasons? That I've just the first time I've really thought about that. That's quite a sensible one. Um, points per so again, as he said though, East Grinstead are on fire after should have been relegated last season. So I don't know if that will keep them up the league or not. So um, I just but it wouldn't because only won once last season. So yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah but, but again, but they're probably so. I suppose they look up their update coming well. They technically got out of jail last time, and now they might say, "Oh, it's not." They'll be happy to do that. So it's just um, rather than cramming in game after game after game, which could in March to finish this season, they've got to have a hard look at this. And if they and if they have to null and void it, I know that will be a lot of clubs that will be unhappy with that, and people may walk away. But that's what may may it could do. But I think I think I disagree with you saying that we've got to finish this season back in thing where I thought I oh, would we'll start all again and we'll go afresh but now I'm thinking that was the wise decision if you know hindsight's a wonderful thing isn't it it certainly is funny enough I have been listening back through to some old episodes to try and find uh, where I, I actually more, said I that I was more cheery in March than I was now possibly uh, but I did find one right at the very very start where I said let's not rush anything and let's do what the what the top leagues do and it's all got to be the same which also would have been better than what they did basically everything we suggested was better than what ended up happening um another salient point i thought there from uh, from ben smith was about the cups why not play the cups at the end of the season why not why didn't they in september focus on getting these league games done because if they'd done that rather than having six seven eight games played we'd be 15 16 in in for a lot of teams and then you'd have a much clearer picture of where we stand yeah, that ridiculous competition they have, didn't it? Wouldn't it? So that came in. That would have been a wise choice. Um, I presume they, these, a bit like the FA Cup and the trophy, they, these cups are um, supposed to be important to the league, but that would have been a wise decision. I think people will complain about that cup's early doors, wouldn't it? But again, the extra weeks they could have done would have made the league a little bit more fairer because you're never going to complete this cup, are you? That, that cup's dead now. Nobody's going to think about doing that from about March onwards anyway. So yeah, another... Good point. I'm sure these clubs probably said to the, the leagues at the time when they started this, this is what we want to do. But clearly they haven't taken that on board because they clearly haven't thought about this now, haven't they? There must have been points to the league, but is it the league just sort of deciding, right, we're in charge, we know best? Mm, exactly. Uh, very difficult. Well, let's move on then to the football that was actually scheduled. But sadly, if you think we're going to stop talking about the virus, you've got another thing coming. Uh, plenty of games off this week because of it, after cases at Chesterfield, Haven't and Waterloo, and now Tunbridge Angels. Well, Maidstone United's FA Trophy campaign has descended into farce after Froomtown refused to travel to Kent. I want to get my facts right on this one. So here we go. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm going to clear my throat and everything as well. Having been given a buy into this third round proper after Hampton Richmond Borough pulled out, Froome, who were quite happy to retweet a joke about scabby bibs and the vaccine over the weekend, said earlier this week they did not feel comfortable travelling to Tier 4 Kent and sought advice from the FA. The FA stated, we are able to confirm that DCMS are content that all bill-based FA Trophy third round proper fixtures will continue to be played as scheduled under the attached FA Trophy protocol, which is in line with the latest DCMS guidance for elite sports. That was in a statement issued on Tuesday afternoon, to which Froomtown added the club are deeply saddened by, again, the length of time and the result they have come to together. We are currently considering our position at this time and will inform Maidstone United and the FA of any decisions at the earliest point. Then they, at 9am on Wednesday morning, the day of the game, issued their own further statement, which reads, following the decision by the FA and DCMS, the club has sought further advice and will not travel to tonight's scheduled match against Maidstone United. As a club, our first thoughts have to be with the players, staff and officials of both teams who will be forced to play a match in Tier 3 against wider government regulations. As a non-elite team, we do not accept the decision of both bodies given all the news coverage and medical experts' advice provided. We will not put families and lives at stake. It is clear that no football match outside of the top level is COVID safe. We will not demand that our players travel in separate cars across the country to a Tier 4 area. We have no clear clarification on the insurance procedures and coverage either. 
either. We've also been truly shocked by some of the wider fan comments who've been, who have a very reckless view on COVID and its effects. But we're even more disappointed that the collective decision has been made. We are not withdrawing from the competition and believe the FA can still make a sensible decision to postpone until it's safe to play. We will await further communication from the FA. I've already spoken to one listener about this and he believes Froome have made the right decision, but I'm afraid I don't agree with that. They were quite happy for another team to withdraw and take their place in the next round, but now they neither want to play the game, which the FA insisted had to be played this week, or withdraw from the competition themselves. Not a single person here is taking this virus or the restrictions lightly. But if everyone else is happy to travel and play these games in line with the government guidance, then I'm afraid no exception can be made for Froome. Elite clubs in our county have taken every possible step they can to the detriment of a lot, I can assure you. And as someone who's covered a game at Maidstone, Matt, I'm interested to know, do you think they're providing a safe environment? Yeah, very good. Very well, very well organised, Maidstone, when I went there to that game. So... Uh, from that, where is Froome? Is that miles away? Wilkesbury. It's in uh, Somerset. Oh, it's a trek. I mean, I have a couple of other questions, um, which um, uh, I, I wonder if, if anyone... Hey, why they're rushing the, well, one of my theories is why they're rushing the train. Well, yeah, that's obviously a clear but, question. But, but, which is, which is there's no knees and... Have Maidstone come out with anything there, so they're just keeping their powder dry? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if Maidstone themselves have, have said anything, but Maidstone, there's a very good Maidstone fan on Twitter. He's quite sweary, um, but PP Maidstone, uh, Maidstone Asorius, of course, he calls himself. Um, but he has made um, a couple of uh, a, a couple of fair points, I would suggest, um, about how it's a 4,000-seater stadium, um, how it's... Um, some of the language used in that statement is not particularly um, great. There's even a report, um, which I, I can't stand up, um, that the Froome Town squad were in isolation until last night. So um, quite interesting. But he says, you know, that it could be months. You can't eliminate the risk, but you can't. You, you also can't eliminate the risk of, of getting mown down on the A303 on the way. <laughs> And it says, as if by some miracle, a suggestion emerges that the game could be switched to the rolling pastures of Tier 2. How will the locals feel about having a, a squad of Tier 4 lepers turn up? Now, a couple of thoughts I'd like to put across on this. I wonder if Paul Town had won, would they have been even looking at the number of cases before travelling to Paul? No, they probably wouldn't. And also, what if it was Eastbourne? Now, Eastbourne is Tier 2. We've been Tier 2 all, all the way through. Uh, as things stand, we currently have the fifth highest increase in cases in a week. But if it, if it was Eastbourne against Froome, they wouldn't be able to use Tier 4 as an excuse not to travel, would they? But so they would travel. So I don't understand why they're they're making such a, a, a thing about it. For, for me, having been to games played both behind closed doors and games with supporters... I can assure anyone at Froome Town that they're much, much safer in an empty stadium than it would have been, or oh, here's an example, in their 3-0 win over Farnborough on November the 1st, when there were 285 supporters in it. And you can look at the pictures of that match report on the match report uh, on their website yourself. I'll leave you to do that. But for me, I think, yes, that there obviously is no need to, to rush this game through. But if the government and the FA are telling Froome Town they've got to travel, then Froome Town's two choices are pull out of the competition or play the game. Those are the only two options they've got and they've taken neither. Uh, I think if they didn't have to play, they should pull out the competition. My biggest, I said on this, why they're playing that game anyway, two days before Christmas, is no rush to do that in a competition that's probably never going to be finished anyway. That's by the point. Um, so I think, you say they got through on a on a, on a a buy anyway, did you? Yeah, because uh, Hampton and Richmond uh, did, Borough pulled out due to due to a covid um, oh, right. so, i think it was yeah. due to a covid test but either, either way hampton richmond acted in the in the best interest of Froome and the best interest of the competition and now they're expect now Froome are expecting i i i genuinely think from some of the words in that statement Froome are expecting maidstone to be thrown out because of where they are and they can't do that no i, I think they haven't really particularly looked at this the particularly wrong way again you can look at it that the, the, the FA and the leagues are probably not being particularly um, helpful to either side on this thing. But um, if they're withdrawing, they've got to leave the competition. So I think that's where it should be there for, from that point of view. I'm just getting fed up, John. I know it's just nothing's 
it's just getting you know, not getting me down because it's more important things in life, but you're just frustrating that we're never going to get. This is going to go on and on and on and on, isn't it? Nothing exactly. going to change for a while. Did you see? I was going to say again, made me laugh. We'll talk about the FA Trophy. Okay. It probably hasn't been finished last year. Did you see who Weymouth got in the next round of the FA Trophy? I did. I have that later oh, on in the script, so we'll put, we'll come to oh, that in a minute. Yeah. But you can you can. I don't see the script. Everybody's listening. Get to a warm up of, of that oh, one in the next couple of minutes. Okay. So let's no, yeah, let, just... let, let's try and actually talk about some on-field action. Maidstone made it through to the game that's ruined poor Froome's season by beating Paul Town two 0 on Saturday, but they and Bromley are now the only sides left from Kent in the competition. Bromley had to wait until Tuesday night to make it through, but they overcame Hemel Hempstead two 0 Two goals from Harry Forster, both set up by Liam Trotter and a debut for academy graduate Liam Vincent. Job well done uh, for Bromley. Epsfleet were thrashed by former boss Darren McMahon and Dagenham and Redbridge with Darren McQueen scoring twice. I was at Dartford on Saturday where they went out to a last minute goal against Isthmian League Premier Division side Haringey Borough after a performance that I'm sure fell some way short of the usual standard from the darts. While Matt was at Woking where his beloved Whites returned to action with a defeat but my co-host was surprisingly upbeat. We'll hear from him shortly, but first, here are the thoughts of defender Bailey Spencer-Adams. It's disappointing. I thought the lads started well. Obviously, we grew into their game. I think we defended well as a team, but obviously it's disappointing to concede a goal such as we did. But I thought there's a lot of positives to take from the performance. How difficult was today with Harry Ransom having to go off to 60? Because the three of you at centre-half had a good link-up and dominating the game. Yeah, I thought... um, Obviously, we've been, we've been training now for a week, so obviously we know each other. No, well, obviously I played against Harry before, so obviously when he came in, we looked solid. We was quite com- quite comfortable until obviously he had to go off because obviously he's coming back from injury. But yeah, I thought we did well as a back three, and obviously it's not easy having to change things halfway through during the game. Yeah, all in all, how's it? You know, you haven't played for a month or so. How were you allowed to train at Watford, or have you been? How's it worked for you? Um, obviously, I had to uh, quarantine. The quarantine rules, the, the government guidelines. So obviously, I had to quarantine uh, for ten days, and then obviously come back in with the team. So obviously, during that time, we was doing um, gym, yoga with the team at home. But yeah, um, obviously, I'm at Dover now, so that's what I've been doing, being with the team, not at Watford at the moment. So yeah, it's been good. How nice is it to get back on a on a green grass yeah. with the training this weekend, playing football though. Has it been a good week of you getting back with the team? Yeah, obviously, it's, all you want to do is just play football, literally. When you're just stuck inside, it gets boring, you just turn, drives you crazy. So, obviously, getting back in was was, was, was the life. Obviously, playing a game, getting your legs going again was, was brilliant. So, obviously, now, obviously, we've got, a, got that match fitness back. So, now we just need to keep forward, keep going and take the positives from the game onto the next. Bit, a lot of games coming up in thick yeah. and time. Is As a player, that's what you'd rather do than train now? Yeah, obviously, training is good, but nothing compared the matches at the end of the day so obviously games are good um, a lot of them so it's going to be difficult but at the end of the day we've got a good squad a lot of players so just need to manage well and, and just get some form and, and keep, keep going on top of that uh, there was some lovely stuff about Chesterfield, Matt. They sound right up your street, but that had to be cut as obviously that game didn't happen. But I heard all of your updates on Saturday and it sounded like your boys were much better than they had been pre-break. Yeah, um, yeah, I was we rode a bit of luck in the first thing, but didn't create too many chances. Um, Ransom came in, did a job defensively. We had to take him off after 60 minutes because we all told him because we could play against Chesterfield. So um, we went in front. Of course, we got deeper and deeper and then woke him, scored two. But plenty of positives to come out of it If when we ever play again, really, um, uh, from that point of view. And yeah, I, I was pretty positive. You know, goalkeeping, you know, Mercer didn't have much to do with what he did do. He, juggled a bit but defensively we looked pretty solid um yeah with players coming back Andy Hessenthaler was happy again as I said before the game I'd take nil-nil and go out on penalties I'm quite glad we're not left in the competition but I wasn't too disappointed at the final whistle because there was plenty of positives uh, Hessenthaler had a one match touchline ban uh, yeah. for that game I could uh, tell you I could tell you what he said to the referee if you want me to know You'd have uh, oh. to think that out Maybe tell me later on, but but I'm just wondering, where did he sit and was it really any point? Because surely he could have, in an empty stadium, he was probably still able to get his points across from wherever he was sat. He was in that big stand at Woking behind the goal, perched up, so he had a good view for the the, uh, the 
half-broken goals because they came at that end. So I know he was disappointed with the penalty, but he would have seen the marking was terrible for the second goal. So, but he was in there. But it takes, you know, he got fined 250 quid and had to sit in the big stand at Woking. So. Um, it's um, up there with the time when he got uh, when he got sent from the t- sent from the touchline when he was drilling about it, just so brought himself on as a player. That was yeah. a good one. So yeah, so um, but no, uh, um, yeah, it would have, yeah, I was opt- optimistic from there. And with the games coming up over Christmas, yeah, you got, you've got to start winning matches. But yeah, if they can keep ransom, which is going to be difficult, I think because he's only got a couple of games left in him before his loan comes up. But he makes a difference, and De Havilland looked a different player with him there. Um, yeah, so yeah, I was you know I had a good day out with my mate Tom as well. So um, it was uh, all in all, um, yeah, I came out. Well, so I was a bit concerned because of course all this tier four stuff was going on at um, when I was at the ground. And you said, you said to me you were worried about having Christmas in Woking, weren't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, be fair to Woking. You know, the, the people there and the organisation was first class. Nothing was a problem. So. I might not like them as a team because they annoy me, but off the field, round of applause to them. But at least I didn't have to spend Christmas in a car park with Tom in Woking because I thought at some stage they would lock down the world. So, uh, but we got home safely, yeah, and um, we go again. But I say, um, yeah, uh, next time I speak to you, I was supposed to go to some games, but I'm not going to games now because we're not allowed to. So um, we'll go from there. Uh, and f- we did just hear from him, the, the young man Spencer Adams. You haven't really mentioned him. How did he get on? Yeah, good. And a three at the back, solid, wins the ball, headed it, grew in confidence in the game. Going to be a key player for the next six weeks or so. So he's pretty confident, big lad, knows what he's doing. So, yeah, um, if they play three at the back, which I think Dave have got to, with the three centre-halves they've got, they've got people who are, will attack the ball and the man, which is all I ever ask. And it seems like they probably had a bit of benefit yeah, yeah, from yeah, spending yeah, time on the training they've, ground. They've got Liam Ridgewell in, which I wasn't allowed to mention because the club hadn't mentioned, but he was there. And apart from Liam Ridgewell... Um, being there, had the most magnificent moustache, John. Really? November? So? No, it was just, it was like um, a black adder one. Oh, brilliant. So, um, magnificent moustache. Uh, he's there to try and help out on the sidelines. So, and I think he said that he's seen positives that they can work on things. And there are plenty of, plenty of training this week as well. I'm sure they'll, they'll go again. So, if you keep clean sheets, we won't lose matches. No, exactly. I probably will face Woking in round four, while Maidstone or Froome will be at home to Dorking Wanderers. Both of those sides lucky in a non-regionalised draw, which has managed to send Darlington to Weymouth. Uh, what a, <laughs> I mean, the, the thinking that's gone on there is is really spectacular, isn't it? If that came up, just put that back in, do it again. Yeah. Surely, that's yeah. all you have to do, because nobody watches this draw. No, uh, unbelievable. That, well, if I was Darlington, you've got to make any money. 700-mile trip, just... just just withdraw. Just COVID <laughs> it. Yeah, 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 COVID it. It was, it was also a disappointing weekend in the FA Vars as both Chen, Chatham Town and Kennington bowed out. And if it's one thing we know about Chatham, it's that they score goals. They picked the worst possible time to draw their first blank of the season. So they lost 1-0 at home to Flackwell Heath. And Jack Evans was sent off late on. Kennington, meanwhile, lost 4-1 on penalties to Sutton Common Rovers after a 1-1 draw with Gary Lockyer, who we spoke to a few weeks ago, getting the leveller for the ton. That means Deal are the last men standing and they will play their rearranged tie with Binfield on Sunday, December the 27th. Are they? With a, apparently so. With a trap, with a trip <laughs> to Step 6, Fakenham Town of the Eastern Counties League Division 1 North, the prize in the next round. Yeah, I've just read that on the Skeffer website. They're playing Sunday, apparently. Why? Because they've got to get played. Oh, it's just madness. Absolute madness. Who's telling The FA telling them to play that. I don't know. Oh, Deal got it. Oh, it's... You know, fair play to deal, but oh, this is just madness. Oh, no. Uh, not a single league fixture for us to talk about this week, but we must also mention the latest on the grants given to clubs in the National League. There's more statements here, I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm staying out of this one. It started with an open letter from David Bernstein, who was chair of the National League Independent Review Committee, which spoke, among other things, of a profound disappointment that the report had not been shared, concerns that December payments are being made as in the previous months, thereby increasing the imbalance, as well as a lack of response and lack of courtesy in other issues, as well as adding... We do not propose to enter into any further dialogue with the National League and we'll leave it to the various complaining parties to pursue matters as they feel appropriate. Uh, the National League responded with a pretty bland statement, which didn't really say a lot, to be honest. You can see both of those statements in full on our Twitter at Kent NL Podcast. And to be fair, they've come from the wonderful at Ollie underscore Bayliss. You should follow on Twitter and Facebook if you're interested enough in non-league football to listen to this. Uh, this has been a right old mess, hasn't it, Matt? <laughs> oh, dear. 
there's no right answer no I'm not, I'm not, I, you know I, I fully understand where Oliver Ash who's been very um, vociferous about this um, and again clearly looking at that statement from David Bernstein who did the um, uh, what it was, the, 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 and it's not as if David Bernstein's like Matt Gellard is it David <laughs> Bernstein's a, a proper a grown up who's done things like this before you know if it was like if it was like me and you had done it it'd be like yeah I could kind of understand not listening to us but it's, this is David Bernstein you know yeah so we'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what the statement comes from the National League but um I think it's best if I keep my powder dry on this one, John. OK, that's fine. Uh, there are some fixtures this weekend uh, in the National League on Saturday. Bromley are at home to Sutton. It's Saturday, isn't it? I, f- I forget my days, but it is Saturday. Boxing Day, Saturday. Bromley are at home to Sutton. And then a televised treat for us all in the evening. Dover against Dagenham. I can't see my family, so I might as well uh, watch Dover against Dagenham instead. Uh, and then on Monday... The... Possibly, yeah. Uh, yeah, and yeah then I'll... I'll be watching. yeah. I'll be watching it. And then on Monday, the 28th, Sutton is the destination for Dover and it's Dagenham against Bromley. In the National League South, uh, on Saturday, Welling go to Dulwich Hamlet. It's Ebbsfleet against Dartford and the derby between Tunbridge Angels and Maidstone has been called off. That's about the ninth time this year, I think, with all the weather problems we had last season. Uh, And then on Monday, uh, Dartford's game at home to Tunbridge Angels is also off because of the uh, outbreak in the Tunbridge Angels squad. Uh, Maidstone... I I that. Yeah, Tunbridge have, have called their two games off because they've got their uh, case in their squad. So they're all self-isolating for 10 days as per the government guidelines. Uh, bo- days off now, then. Boxing Day is off and so is Monday. So those two derbies for Angels both called off. Uh, also Monday, Maidstone travel to the, the sunny lands of Tier 2, but it will be Tier 4 by then as they tra- as they take on Eastbourne Borough, a game I will be at, uh, while it's Welling United against Ebbsfleet. Uh, so... All that excitement you would normally have about these festive derbies is, is a little bit tempered, isn't it, by the, by two of the biggest ones being called off? Yeah, I didn't know that. That's, was that breaking news today or was it yesterday? Yesterday. Oh, clearly I'm... On the ball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I didn't know. I didn't I'm so that. excited about pizza, he's not been taking any any notice of anything else that's going on around him. No, uh, no so, oh. Um, no, uh, and I'm sure there are probably more games going from that. So, um, if you have got BT Sport... Watch Dover hopefully beat Dagenham. That's all I can say. And big game between Dartford and Ebsley. A big Dartford win against Ebsley. Could it put pressure on Dennis Katrib? To wait and see. So big game, I think, for both sides there. So that's a that's a big game. Um, Welling, East Ebsley going to Welling. That's class as London, is it? Not Kent? Probably is. I don't know. Uh, really it is, it. but they're still till four, so it doesn't yeah, make exactly, any difference. Yeah. So, so, yeah, all, so it's all um, behind closed doors. Um, it, Football is all, you know, some people say Boxing Day is all about football and it will be, but it won't be without fans. And oh, it's it's all a bit strange, but hopefully all these sides enjoy it. And hopefully, well, good luck. Tom and Daniels, hopefully they're going to be OK. Well, let's say a week's a long time in football. So it's uh, five hours or so. In the time since we recorded this afternoon's show, there's been confirmed cases at Bromley. Their games over Christmas both called off. Dartford against Ebbsfleet also off on Boxing Day due to a confirmed COVID case. And Froome Town, who we spoke about at length there in the FA Trophy, have been informed by the FA that they have been removed from the competition over their refusal to travel to Maidstone for this evening's game. Uh, plenty going on, but uh, back to me now for the rest of the Kent Only podcast. Yeah, Tommy Daniels incidentally had signed uh, Tom Humphrey, uh, former Bournemouth youngster. Uh, you'll like this, Matt. You ready? He's 20 years old, fullback, six foot three. Bang. Yeah. What's his name again? Tom Ham- Humphrey. Right. Adding him to the list of football manager. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Steve McKim said of his new signings, technically astute Tom is ready to test himself in the cut and thrust of National South competition in order to widen his natural footballing abilities. And we welcome him to the club. But obviously, uh, since then, uh, he's now learned that he's not playing any football for at least 10 days uh, after his move to Tunbridge. I suppose they can play on second, I suppose. That game could be back, can it? I don't 10 days. I, 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 I never know what day it is around this time anyway yeah, so yeah, yeah probably back for that yeah yes i would imagine they would be back for that game on the second so we we'll see uh, one thing just want to add before we move on and stop talking about football uh ramsgate again showing their amazing community spirit at the moment uh after taking a load of pizzas down to the the stranded lorry drivers at manston and, and the the things that club are doing to to put their themselves out there is phenomenal and as james lawson said the other week they view themselves more as a community club than a football club at the moment and they are proving that aren't they yeah, unbelievable on that. And hopefully that, well, hasn't they 
changing subject, weren't they? They've knocked the fences down at Manston, the people there now. So maybe they want more pizza. Well, they should come to your office. Yeah, well, if I was here, mate, there's nothing, nothing left after <laughs> I've been through it. Uh, right, well, uh, so obviously Christmas plans all, all out the window now, mate. You're just going to have a quiet one at home with the girls? Yep. Um, well, yeah, we weren't doing in too much anyway, but yes, we'll just... I was supposed to be going to football, but now we're not allowed to go to football. Um, that's... Yeah, so I don't really know. Walking along the beach, um, watching telly, um, eating... Um, probably that's about it, really. So uh, hopefully my Christmas won't be ruined by seven o'clock on Boxing Day. <laughs> hopefully it can be made that day. Uh, yeah, it's just, just crazy, isn't it? So um, uh, yeah, yeah. I reckon I, I reckon to start Christmas one last year. You probably had me singing, dancing, telling jokes. This one yeah. you just got me going. Yeah, so exactly. Go. But yeah, I mean, obviously our plans all. Uh... All, all changed completely. My mum my and dad were supposed to be coming down on Boxing Day uh, inside the five-day window. Obviously, now they can't travel. Uh, we are fully expecting that we're going to be put into Tier 4 uh, Boxing Day, if not sooner, which obviously means the business will be shut as well. Uh, we've only got, one, we've got uh, one couple uh, who are due to arrive any minute now who are from Sussex and visiting their, their son who lives here. So that's them. But apart from that... Nothing really. Um, we've we've already closed everything off until the new year, and I think that's just going to be something that's going to carry on. I, I think it's going to be a long time before we're welcoming guests back here to Eastbourne. Um, it's it's a real a real shame, but we've got to do what's best for everyone, and that is to to keep ourselves safe and keep everybody else safe. And and as I said earlier, the issue is that the the, the virus when when Kent was shut, everyone in everyone started going to Hastings and Hastings got shut. So everyone started coming to Eastbourne and it's no real surprise that we're the next on the hit list. Um, it's just going to keep working its way down the coast because people don't want to um, respect the rules. And, and that's a, a real shame um, because it's, it's, it's affecting day-to-day life, but you know, we've got each other, we've got plenty of booze, we've got plenty of food in, uh, we haven't actually got a turkey, so we're going to have to sort that out, um, but we're going to try and get one when they're all uh, unloved and unwanted after Christmas, and we're gonna have a, well, I think we might now have our Christmas dinner on New Year's Eve, so that will be a nice one for us, but yeah, just got to muddle on through, uh, plenty of presents to be opened on, on Christmas Day, and, and, and we'll probably go for a walk along the seafront, but I expect that will be busy as well, and just try I'm and... expecting 4,000 people on the beach at Broadstairs. Well, yeah. Busy in the summer's day, there'll just be people on the beach. Well, normally in Eastbourne... Going up with one person, but really saying hello to people they really are related to. Yeah, normally in, in Eastbourne, we have um, a brilliant concert at the at the bandstand, free concert, uh, 10 o'clock Christmas morning from the Eastbourne Silver Band, and they play all the Christmas carols, but all the Christmas hits as well. It's fantastic, but they normally get 4,000 people coming along to that event. So obviously this year, uh, that one has been very firmly kiboshed. It was it was called off quite some time ago. So hopefully we'll be able to just go and have a stroll out. Obviously we won't be able to nip in the pub like we normally do on Christmas Day. It's just going to be a quiet one. So it's just going to be stocking up on 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 the beer, watching the telly. There's not a lot on the telly to watch. And and it genuinely does, does say a lot that Dover against Dagenham on BT Sport on Boxing Day is one of the highlights of the festive TV <laughs> calendar. So, uh, yes, I, I look forward to the text I get from you in that time as well, so, like that. So, um, I've, yes, well, I will be sitting down to watch that with my daughter. She'll probably be on her phone because it's not going to look good, but we'll be there with my Davis shirt on, hoping they can get a result. So that's about it. Are you going to tell people about your little Christmas present you got as well from, from your friend Tom? I did, yeah. My good friend Tom, he's a good lad. Um, he brought me a mug. You know how much I love my teletext, and it's a teletext of November the 6th, 2010, Gillingham nil, Dover 2. You know, they used to get 3 1, 3 3, and it used to give you yep. the goals. Yeah, it's a nice picture. And if you look on Twitter, um, I did post it on there, and I also posted the goal commentary of when Dover beat Gillingham as well. So, oh, I and, love it. I and love a few commentary. Dover fans, and a few Dover fans were, of course, reminiscing about the good old days on that so and as a, that. as a married man with two daughters is that the fourth best day of your life i still always say that the one that we beat cheltenham one nil is more is i enjoyed that more because oh. we knew we were in the third round but I, it was a good day it was a good day i always remember getting in the lift at gillingham with martin hayes and jim parmenter because <laughs> uh, uh, you had to go down the bottom to get the thing and uh we sort of the doors closed we looked at each other 
and did a big massive whoop between the three of us so i'll always remember that so um yeah it was it, it, i like the cheltenham one it's probably my favorite commentary that we did that they've got through because you knew they were going to get in the third round and they play a big boy and they did get palace um from that so yeah it, 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 when you listen to that commentary you just realize sometimes football can cheer you up can't it because it always makes me smile with that one and the gillingham one as well so brings back good memories so hopefully we can have no, it's not a good time to be a day of sport at the moment, but you always have that and things will turn around eventually and you have those days again. So football can cheer you up and probably not cheering too many people up at the moment. Think if you listen to this podcast, me being a visible bloody git, but that, you know, that's where you can get it from. I will retweet that commentary uh, from Matt Gerrard, which is one of my uh, absolute favourite things. Uh, it, it, in fact, I've retweeted it now from the Kent Only Podcast uh, account. Uh, so that is, you can find that at Kent NL Podcast. You can also find Matt at Matthew underscore Gerrard. I am at John Phipps 81, I think. Yeah, that's what I am. I, I always have been. You can also find us on Facebook. Um, just search for Kent Only Podcast. And uh, and you will find us there. Um, obviously, it's going to be a tough time for some people out there. And if you do need anything, feel free to send us a message on Facebook or, or Twitter. And, and we're always here to have a chat or we'll, we'll try our best to, to keep your spirits up. Um, but, yes, we've uh, we've got through it. We've got through this Christmas show. Um, we <laughs> we, we are, might as well do one next week, might we? Oh, well, yeah, well, I, I thought we'd look back on our playing highlights next uh, of, of our football highlights of 2020 next week. Yeah. It probably started badly when I left all my radio kit at Bromley on New Year's Day. <laughs> <laughs> it never really got better from there. <laughs> well, we'll discuss that uh, next week on the uh, on the Kent Ollie podcast. We will be back in between uh, Christmas and New Year, and we will not be using the phrase Twixtmas because we're not bellends. Um, but anyway, yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening. We hope you all have... Uh, as nice a Christmas as you can under these uh, these current circumstances. Thanks to all of our guests for their time this week. Uh, thanks to all of you for listening. Uh, keep safe over the festive period. Do whatever makes you happy within reason of, uh, of not breaking the laws and just be kind to each other and give your loved ones a big hug if you can see them. That's all we can say. And as I say, if you do feel lonely or anything then you know feel free to drop us a message on twitter and, and we'll try and get back to you and 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 hopefully try and cheer you up a little bit but yeah thank you everybody for listening merry christmas and we'll speak to you all next week i'm off to eat my body weight in the long gold toffee quality street that will cheer me up <laughs>